Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is John. I'm the worship director here at LBC, and joining us is Pastor Eric. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. And, of course, faithful Elijah is here producing for us. Faithful and infamous. Hello. I feel like he's slowly being brought to, into the fold. It's really true. We're preparing the people for one day for Elijah to make an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Get to see your beautiful face, Elijah. All right. Well, hey, we are coming to you with a very special uh, topic today. We're going to be talking about social justice. What does that mean? Um, that's a phrase that gets tossed around a whole lot. You know, as as we're recording this, we're coming up on two very special events here at LBC. We're going to be doing Reach Bakersfield and Reach the Nations. And that's where we kind of take two Sundays to focus on uh, what are the needs within the community of Bakersfield and how can we effectively preach the gospel while sharing and giving towards those needs. And then Reach the Nations is all about our uh, missionary partners. It's about what's going on around the world and how we can be more involved in spreading the gospel around the world to the other nations. And so there are two very special Sundays here in the life of our church where we get to explore that as a congregation. Whenever we get around this time, this topic of social justice can kind of bubble up to the surface. And I, I know, Pastor Eric, I've heard from a few people that uh, some people are, are often confused because we talk about social justice, but usually when we mention it here at LBC, it's kind of in a negative term. But, I mean, social justice sounds like such a good thing and something we should all be about. And so maybe it's good to just kick it off like that. What is social justice? Is there a difference between the world's per perspective, our culture's perspective of social justice and definition, um, and the Bible's definition of social justice? What do you have to say to that to start it off? Yeah, I think uh, if you've been listening to us, hopefully you see that we value what I would say defining terms. And uh, social justice is something even in the last 10 years has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, John, when we were growing up, uh, I would say the college towards the latter part of, you know, early marriage, social justice was just simply helping the poor, right? Um, helping people in need. And then in the last probably five years, it's really changed to redistribution distribution of wealth, mm. um, having equity and outcomes, um, making sure that everyone has equal opportunity, um, equal wealth, equal right, you know, all mm -hmm. this kind of egalitarian social economic philosophy being pushed that bleeds into socialism and right. communism and, you know, all the, all the things. And so I think what we want to do is rather than get into a lot of uh, philosophical economic principles is just kind of decipher what does the Bible say? Right. You know, what are we called to? Um, because if I've learned anything uh, you know, Satan kind of messes with Christians by just getting them distracted or divided mm -hmm. uh, rather than just staying the course on what they're supposed to do. And that's enough, you know, if the gospel's not going out and they're just focused on things, uh, let's call it of a secondary nature. Yeah. So with that preface, that was quite the preface. I didn't answer your question. <laughs> I think the negative connotation comes that often social justice is something used through um, either non-Christian or liberal, liberal Christianity to uh, take away the importance of sharing the gospel. Mm. And so you, you kind of first see this um, 
I would say kind of Trojan horse in, you know, the famous St. Francis of Assisi quote, um, to share the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. <laughs> right. And so John laughs because he knows I, yeah. I really don't like that, that quote. Yeah. And some will say, well, you know, he didn't really say it. And we can get into who said it first. The point is that phrase is used. It gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's, it goes against, you know, you see clearly in the New Testament, blessed are the feet of mm-hmm. those who preach, preach, right. bring good news. Right. So that's, and it, how can it happen for those who don't say it or speak it, you know, teach it? And so it puts an emphasis on teaching and mm-hmm. teaching and teaching and making disciples, which requires words. Right. And so what kind of happened was this, I don't want to uh, kind of like put it, put a, they want to put a bad connotation on the church for sharing the gospel and say, well, I'm just going to love without an agenda. Right. And so it was this, a real Christian just gives you a blanket or food with no agenda. And so the divorcing of the gospel being shared with the loving action started to happen. Mm -hmm. So then from the pulpit, we had to draw a distinction of, no, we don't want to do that. That's social justice. So that's kind of how I think it began. Now, let me be clear. It doesn't mean we don't want to do nice things. It's we don't want to do nice things and not share the gospel. Right. Because that's, that's, we were going to talk about this concept in Matthew of, you know, what good is it if you have two eyes and you go to hell? Yeah. Right. It's kind of the same concept. What good is it if you have a full stomach and a warm body, but you have no idea that you need the forgiveness of sins, Right. that you need Jesus as the payment for your sins? And so, you know, ideally we would like to do both. Right. We're not saying, hey, forget your physical needs. <laughs> we don't care if you're hungry. We don't care if you're cold. You don't have a shelter. What we're saying is let's not divorce the two and if we have to emphasize anything, we always emphasize the gospel. Amen. Gospel fits eternal needs. Eternal needs outweigh temporal needs. And so I think that kind of has to be your guiding principle um, because you're not always going to maybe be able to meet someone's physical needs that you encounter. They right. might have a need that's beyond your ability, um, but that doesn't mean you can't participate in caring for them, right? And caring for them in, you know, if they're if they're a Christian, mm-hmm. um, you would participate in praying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to help them find help. If they're not a Christian, you would participate in sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and encouraging them um, to ask Christ to forgive them of their sins. And, and then also the second part would to be a part of the local church. Yeah. Because often how, how God... Um, designed us to take care of each other through the church and that the church would rally around itself mm-hmm. and take care of the needs of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you can participate, um, but when you make it only about meeting the physical need, um, that means there's simply a part of people that can't participate because they can't either time-wise or financially be a part of doing that. So then there's yeah. a guilt laid on them that they're not doing, um, you know, these social justice acts. And, and then there becomes this greater to lesser Christianity. Well, I spend my time, you know, yeah. and versus saying, well, no, it might look different for you. Maybe you shared the gospel with a coworker. Maybe, you know, you shared the gospel with someone in your family who's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. You're, you're participating in trying to reach the lost through the most important need, which is salvation. Right. 
So it was a long answer. I'm sorry, but there, <laughs> no, there's a good. lot there. I you think know? I think it's important to establish a couple of points here. That number one, justice doesn't belong. Justice isn't some idea, right? I think that that's that's something that's important to throw out is the the fact that you know justice as defined by Scripture is a part of who God is. It's rooted in His character. It's rooted in His nature. It's inescapable. Yes. And so God is the definition of justice. Yes. What God says is right is right. What God says, and anything apart from that, is wrong. Yes, and, and I think justice also, God looks at it as um, the beginning to the end mm-hmm. and making all things right mm-hmm. in the end. And, and really biblical justice is God atoning for those that are his and those that aren't, and those that aren't are judged. Right. It's not um, what size house did you have, Right. and those that had small houses will now get big houses. Right. Right. It, it's sinful, fallen world. Mm-hmm. Undeserving Christians get to go to heaven where there's no sin, no shame. It, it's not, hey, now we get to go into an equality of finances, mm-hmm. right? And all of our houses are going to be the same with the same air conditioning and the same ocean view and the same distance from the community center and right. the education, you, right. know, you know, all these kind of things. Um, so justice, I think, has a different different look in the Bible. Yeah. And uh, it just uh, what gets superimposed on the Bible is this idea that that within God's sovereignty there should never be injustice. Mm-hmm. Right? But when you look in the New Testament, uh the apostles and the disciples clearly are a part of injustice. They're yeah. the ones who are receiving the injustice, right? Because they're they're preaching Christ crucified. Right. And they're being put in prison for it. Right. And Paul, they sing in prison. (laughs) They praise God there, right? Because it's a testimony that earthly circumstances Mm -hmm. can't take away their joy and love for Christ. And and even when you look at when Jesus came, he doesn't fix the governors. He doesn't fix the emperors. Right. He doesn't change the taxation laws. He doesn't change any of the laws, period. Mm -hmm. He leaves John the Baptist in prison. He doesn't take him out. Uh, So you don't see Jesus coming to do that. You don't see Jesus looking at the inequality of, you know, Matthew is a tax collector. Peter's a fisherman. They probably don't make the same amount of money. Right. He doesn't tell the tax collectors he's encounters, hey, let's make sure we're taxing you know, everyone fairly. I know you probably pocket some for yourself and yeah. you probably do this. You need to change the taxation law and follow me. So let me let me play devil's advocate here for a bit. Sure. I'll throw your curveball here. Yes. So when Acts is talking, so in the in the early church, you've, yes. you've got the early church and it says, you know, that there were people, I think it's what is it, like Acts, Acts five. Two, wait, Acts four, you're going to taking care to like of Ananias the poor. And Sapphira and all oh, of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um you got that whole situation that goes down. But you know, the setting for that is that you have Christians who are within the context of the church. They're they're going out, they're selling their goods, which, yeah, Acts 2 hits to this too. Yep. They're selling their goods, and they're taking those goods to contribute to the needs of the poor. Um, I mean, it almost looks like kind of a communist idea of redistribution of wealth. What, do you, what would you say to that? Uh, I would say what you see in Acts 2 is that they laid it at the apostles' feet to take care of all of those in need. Mm. And the apostles were the ones who defined and determined who was in need because they were the ones instituted by Christ to to start the church. Yeah. 
And so, you know, you look at First Timothy, one is how is one ought to behave in the household of God. That book tells you how the church is to operate, and mm-hmm. it tells you to take care of the widow, and it tells you how to take care of the widow, and it charges the man, you know, in chapter five, to to work. Five eight says that the man is to provide for the members of his household, mm. and that if he doesn't, he's worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. So God says, look, Christian men, you're to take care of your family. Okay, and then he says, look, there's going to be some families who don't have someone to do that. You need to take care of them, mm-hmm. right? And then it says, it even admonishes the older women to help the younger one. How did the, how did you do this? Mm-hmm. Your older widows talking to younger widows. So God does institute the church to take care of itself, but it doesn't tell men not to work because other men are working. Yeah. It doesn't give permission to, to not work with your hands and provide. It just says that, you know, there's going to be things like death and sickness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's going to be people that need help and, and you need to help them. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't say that you're to um, enable a man yeah. to not work. Yeah. Um, but that's different than a man that can't work. Right. Right. And so it's not that the, the Bible or it doesn't say to help people. Uh, but if you look primarily, it talks consistently about Christians helping Christians, yeah. right? Like Galatians 6, um, do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. Mm. And so I think that's part of our testimony is that people would see Christians like, wow, they really take care of each other. Yeah. And, you know, why is that? Because well, we're family, you know, we're united in Christ and we we have a diversity amongst us. So it doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your your background. Uh, it, it matters that you're a part of the body of Christ and mm-hmm. we love you and take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I think, part of the testimony to the world. Um, does that mean, so, so to answer your question, that what you don't see is the disciples going and trying to overthrow Rome, change right. the rules, um, elevate the Jews' tax status to the same as the Romans so they're not paying double tax, um, looking, trying to change the way wages are earned and right. accounted for. Right. Um, you, you don't see them getting into politics. And, and what I mean by this is is social justice kind of takes this approach that they want to change from the outside in, meaning change who's in charge, change the laws, change the institutions, make them act Christian, then people will act Christian, then we'll be a Christian nation. Hmm. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's in the heart, right? The heart is deceitfully wicked, and and that God has to give you a new heart and and give you his spirit, and through that is change. So that's why we put the primacy on sharing the gospel, changing the heart. Yeah. And that's where you see, you know, in the Bible, there were evil times then, there's going to be evil times now, and there'll be evil times till Christ comes back and makes everything right. Amen. We're not going to make the world a better place holistically, apart from Christ making all things right. Um, Sharing the gospel and putting more Christians in the world, that'll help, but (laughs) you're still going to have evil. (laughs) Still sinful. Yeah, you're still going to have sinners, and you're still going to have Christians that sin, you're still going to have Satan, and that's a part of... The adversity Christians are to to face, but it's also part of the testimony mm-hmm. that no matter how evil the institutions, no matter how many freedoms are taken away, the Christian will always joyfully praise Christ. Amen. You know, and that this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. And, and so trying to make this place more palatable 
almost comes off antithetical to the Bible. Now, what's weird is this isn't kind of it's kind of a Christian problem. It's, it's an American Christian problem. Is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. You go into you know um, a heavily persecuted area; those Christians have no rights. They are taken advantage of, and and they're just squirming for places to worship. Yeah, fellowship. Um, they're not trying to overthrow their government and do. Th- they're just trying to preach the gospel faithfully. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like in a more harsh setting, you see a, a dedication to the purity of the gospel being preached and churches being planted, and people being discipled, and people taking care of one another, people taking care of one yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I appreciate that you mentioned this is a pretty American Western problem issue yeah. that that we're looking at right here because really. Um, you know, going, going back to, uh, going back to acts with the believers laying down their treasures at the disciples feet. I think it's, it's, it's important to note that it's the believers bringing their goods. It's the believers who willingly went and sold property and willingly out of love for Christ and love for their brothers and sisters laid these down at their feet. You don't see the disciples going out selling people. You all have to give X percent now so that we can make everything equal. And that's really ultimately what we see as when we talk about, when we talk negatively, ultimately, when we talk negatively about social justice, we're also looking at the political side because we're seeing a lot of that today. Yeah. It's a, that it really is this political movement to redistribute wealth, mm-hmm. to redistribute rights, to redistribute, you know, yeah. what, whatever we see, whatever we see as an injustice, not necessarily what God says is injustice. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really a man-centered approach. Yes, looking to the government as the savior and yep. policies as the savior. <laughs> yeah. And that's ultimately what we're saying. Look, there's nothing biblical about that. And actually it doesn't even historically lead to social justice the way that we would determine justice. No, it's what's interesting is in the new Testament, the church is the one who goes out and takes care of people. Right. There's not this emphasis on, on the government doing it. And in that regard, the church has failed in a lot of ways, mm. but that doesn't mean you give up on it. Right. right? It doesn't mean you stop that. And in, in Christianity, uh, it, I think it's very clear that there is not a straight across equality in the sense of what our world is saying now. God gifts us differently, mm-hmm. right? Some people can teach. Some people can build. Some people are, you know, good at math. Some people can sing and play right. instruments. Right. We're the ones who put a value on that. That's a good point. Right. And so when you read First Corinthians, it talks about the eye needing the hand and the hand needing. And so he's like, these these giftedness or this the giftedness that's given is meant to be complementary, mm-hmm. not put on a hierarchy and then devalued or super valued or right. you know, given right. more value to beat people up and say, Well, I have this gift, you don't. Well, I should have that too. <laughs> Right. Right. And, and starting to say, because I don't have that ability, I'm oppressed. Mm. And it's like, no, it, it's you're used differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it, I think it's interesting. Like you mentioned, First Timothy six. It's fascinating in there that as Paul's instructing Timothy, he talks about the rich who are yeah. in, who are who are in the church. And what I find fascinating is that nowhere in that passage does Paul tell them, get rid of your wealth. It's true. And nowhere does he does he say that it's suspect. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing that that's a pretty big marker of the current social justice movement here in America is that it treats all wealth as ill-gotten gain. 
Right. That that if you are wealthy, it's because you've had to step over the backs of oppressed people to get there. Right. Um, and so every every bit of wealth is suspect and therefore must be redistributed to those who are, you know, who who have had to be stepped over. I mean, that's kind of that's a very broad way of putting it. But that's not what you see in Scripture. What you, nope. what, you know, instead, in, in Timothy, all Paul says in addressing the rich is that they shouldn't put their hope in wealth. Yep. Remind them, Timothy, remind the rich to not put their, to be generous yes. and to not put their hope in wealth. It, it, it keeps coming back to the heart. Yep, and even, even Pastor Andy spoke, you know, a few weeks ago on someone was given 10 talents. Someone right. Was given, right? God gave, this says the master gave different talents. Mm-hmm. And what they're accountable for is what they did with the talents. Mm. They weren't all given an equal number. And even the one that was given the least didn't do anything with them right. and was, was judged right. versus the person who was given the most, but right. he did something with it. Right. And, and so it's an accountability to, to work with what God has given you. Mm. Um, and that's why, I mean, think about it. Why are the commands to not be jealous if everything is equal? He's like, no, they're, they're not going to be equally distributed. There's going to be different gifts and different economics, and yeah. you're going to live in different parts of the world and you know, all these different things. And he says, don't be jealous, right? Contentment. That's why Paul says whether he's brought high, mm-hmm. brought low, mm-hmm. both circumstances, he's learned to be content um, because he can do all things through Christ, whether he's in the high position or the low position. Yeah. Either way, he's fine because it's through Christ he's going to accomplish it. So whether he's oppressed in prison, <laughs> he's going to share the gospel. Right. Right. Or he's out of prison and he's with his kind of aristocracy, rich mm-hmm. people that he, friends he had in Ephesus in different places, he's going to do it through Christ. He's yeah. going to share the gospel and he's going to push on to the next thing. That's why he, he's like, hey, I've, I've planted in all these places. I need to go where the gospel's not, where mm. the seeds haven't been planted. So like, well, I'm going to go to Spain, yeah. right? And so now he's, he's looking on to the next thing, trying to keep using what God gave him until God takes him home. That's so good. I think that's a good example that even he says within his high points and low points, any and all circumstances, he can do it through yeah. Christ. And that's, that's really the heart of, of what you see in the Bible. That's why I'm convinced I think I'll never be rich. <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> I don't think God's going to let that happen, but you know. Well, and 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 instead of Some people handle it well? Yeah, and yeah. I I think I I respect people when they say that. And they say, "You know, I know God didn't give me the 10 talents, right? Why? Cuz I don't think I'd I'd steward it wise or yeah. well." Yeah. And and that's okay. Um what matters is that you're working with what you do have. You know, some people uh, here, here was my example I wanted to get to because I think how, how it works. Um, you know, I grew up with a single mom mm. and I, I would say no one person took care of us, but the whole church at different levels in different ways. Yeah. Um, there were some God fearing, godly men that worked part time at the church that had no money, but they would take me out and play basketball, uh, teach me how to open a hood and look at what oil is and look at that. And there were other people who had had money and some of them sometimes would buy Christmas presents. Um, there was uh, elderly people that had big homes and they'd invite us in for Thanksgiving or Easter. 
Um, there were guys who didn't have money, but they knew how to fix things. And we lived mm. in a trailer, and we had those old kind of, I don't know if it's the furnace or a heater. It was a thing you had to light on fire, right, by hand. The and pilot. One, yeah, pilot. the pilot. Yeah. My mom tried to light it, and she almost blew up the house and herself. <laughs> oh and so she had, she called some man in the church, and he showed up, and he simply just put right. it in properly, right. and we had heat. <laughs> it was awesome, right? Because when you're in a trailer, those walls are mm-hmm. thin, right? Yeah. And, and it gets really cold in the desert, you know, and mm-hmm. people don't realize that. But it gets cold in the desert, you know, and another another time our swamp cooler didn't work, right? And that's really hot in the desert. And another man, came, these, these weren't wealthy men, yeah. but they used their giftedness to help us. That strengthened my faith. That's part of my testimony of being a pastor, mm was seeing the way the church loved me and my mom and wanting to to make sure that that work continues because that's part of what the church is to do. Yeah, that's good. You know, and that was part of my testimony to my friends. Why I invited them to church was like, dude, my church, like, takes care of me. Like, you guys got to come, you know, and with all the, like, what? You know, no one comes <laughs> to my house. I'm like, yeah, you, you got to come. And, uh, you know, so that's, I think that's part, just an example of people working in different ways. Yeah. Some was giving their time. Some was using their, their giftedness to fix things. Some was using their finances to, mm-hmm. to help people who didn't have finances. And and, and all of it was um, appreciated yeah. and a part of my growth in my love for Christ and the love of the church. And so, and I think people, what people are doing was they were using opportunities that were presented to them. Mm. You know what I mean? They weren't going around trying to change the city or the state or the United States, they were, God put an opportunity in front of them and they answered that. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's a really good message for all of us because there's probably a number of people who are listening and they're thinking, well, I don't have a lot of money I can give. Right. And you know, probably anytime market of hope comes around, and all that too, they're thinking the same thing. Well, I don't really have a lot of money. We're on a tight budget. We're on this, that, and the other. That's fine. What I'm hearing you say is that we've also, like we've been sharing on Sunday mornings in January, You've also got your time. Yeah. You've also got these talents, the things yep. that God has gifted you with, um, including your unique perspective of just yeah. noticing people that others may not notice if we're, if we're halfway paying attention. Yep. And being generous has a lot more to do with just wealth. It yes. has a lot more to do with our time, which often is more valuable. Yes. Um, and using our giftedness in order to just simply see and help our brothers and sisters uh, or our neighbor or, you know, whoever you're planted next to, I think is an important. Yeah. I, I think what people don't realize is, you know, you're, you're accountable to, I would more say the opportunities that are presented in front of you and mm-hmm. not every opportunity maybe bears fruit that you see. Yeah. You know, um, there's going to be, uh, instances where maybe you do encounter a poor person and they might be, not in the right state of mind, sure. you know, and you might share the gospel with them. You have no clue what happens. Um, but at the same time, you, you know, giving them money probably wouldn't be smart. Yeah. Uh, they might say, I don't want food or, I, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in going to the homeless shelter. I'm not. And it's like, you know, what do you do with that? Well, you extended an mm-hmm. invitation. You know, I've, I've had guys show up at our church and, you know, from one, all the random stories we've heard, you get them. They yep. walk in. Yeah. We, we say, hey, you can come here on Sunday. Ah, uh, no, I'm not really looking, you know, I'm not really, oh, okay. Right. You know, what are you looking for? You know, 
well, money. Well, yeah, we don't just give out money. You yeah. know, we have, uh, we have, what do we call them? Our give bags. Or yeah, what, give yeah. bags. Yeah. And so we, we look at that. Uh, we have uh, gleaners who helps give out food. We, mm-hmm. Can we give you a ride to the homeless shelter? You know, um, and like, oh, no, I'm not interested in all that. So it's not that we didn't extend right. proper things. Right. Um, and so sometimes it's just having the heart or the willingness to participate where you can. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they show up to church mm-hmm. and you're like, praise God. Now it's, we really got to take that next step. Right. And let's get to know that person. Right. Do they know Christ? You know, can we help them find a job? You know, whatever we can do. And, and it's like the, those doors open. So then we keep walking through them with those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, you know, hopefully listener, as you're listening, to what we're saying here. Hopefully, you know, you're starting to see yourself in here somewhere. Um, maybe you're the type of person that has that gift of mercy where you just, you're the bleeding heart. You see every need around you. And at times it could be entirely overwhelming. Um, I, I think that it's important uh, if that's you, you know, to hear that we need to be discerning that, uh, you know, before we start throwing out accusations that, uh, you know, yeah, maybe this guy or this church doesn't care about, you know, people or any or something like that. It's, it's instead recognizing, no, I mean, there is a biblical mandate for all of us here. Um, and first and foremost, what matters most is the gospel. It is meeting people's needs. That is important. But what matters most is that people know Jesus. Amen. And And that's one of the reasons we don't talk about this enough, maybe, and we need to more, but you know, Tuesday night we go to Mm -hmm. the the homeless shelter Mm -hmm. downtown Bakersfield and, um, that's a great example of we teach the gospel. Right. And I think even John's gone down with his guitar. I have. <laughs> and, right? And led some yeah. some worship songs to the Lord, yeah. but with food. Right. Right? And there's food being presented to meet a need, but there's also a clear path to the forgiveness of sins mm-hmm. and eternity with Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those two working together. And I think that's more what we're trying to say rather than, pitting one against the other. But if we have to, the gospel is the priority. Yeah. And so it's use words always, Yeah, (laughs) you know, people, people don't hear the gospel through the act of giving, right? It affirms the gospel, right? Right. But you don't catch the gospel message through osmosis or through, Uh, telepathy or acts, you know what I mean? The yeah, Bible, faith, faith comes by hearing. Yes, faith comes by hearing. The Bible's very clear. Preach the gospel. Right. It's a, it's a message. It's not an ideology. And, right. uh, you know, I think that's, that's uh, something that we all, as the church, need to come back to, for sure. Um, you know, there's, there's also that demographic of folks who maybe you're listening and you're like, man, Reach Bakersfield's coming up and you dread these Sundays. Right. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and actually I'll just, I'll just go ahead and call out our church here. Yeah. Because usually whenever we have a reach Bakersfield or reach the nations, at least in the past, hopefully it's not, right. hopefully it's getting less and less or, uh, or market of hope or any missions emphasize Sunday. For some reason, our attendance seems to go down. Yeah. I think, the, <laughs> I think Sundays. sometimes there's, there's a lot of things. Some people think they're just being asked to, um, give money yeah, yeah or they're being asked to you know do more and they th- they maybe sometimes think of it in terms of the government and <laughs> they don't want to support government institutions sure. you know they don't want to enable people who've made bad decisions right 
Um, and that's really not what we're getting at. Like an easy one to, to look at is Bakersfield pregnancy center mm-hmm. is being able to maybe talk to a mom mm-hmm. and help her understand that there is a, a human inside of her. Right. Um, and that abortion, um, there's a consequence to that. And yeah. I don't think they tell you that when you're a young woman or, and you're just thinking about your, your physical needs and how you're right. physically going to be impacted that no, there's an emotional trauma. There's a lot of fear involved in that. Yeah. You know, intrinsically, you don't realize it, but there's death happening, mm-hmm. you know, and there's mm-hmm. women who can tell stories. They still cry to this day for an abortion that happened 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. And that's just, um, giving your time, being willing to talk to a woman yeah. or providing materials that help women come to an understanding or talking to a dad, mm-hmm. right? And just being a man and saying, hey, I'll talk to a dad yeah. and talked about the joys of being a dad and the importance of being a dad. Or if you've been adopted, you know, the mm-hmm. power of giving a child for adoption mm-hmm. and you're, you're help, you're giving uh, the justice part of this, right? You're giving a voice to an unborn child who doesn't have a voice. That's right. Right. And so that's something that, that doesn't have to be uh, political. It doesn't have to be about enabling um, people who are under, you don't have to get into any of that. That's about saving life Yeah, and, and yeah. being a voice. And I, and I think that's a good ministry that we partner with. And the scriptures talk a lot about this. Yeah. I mean, God, God cares about these things. Proverbs 29, seven says a righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. So yeah. there's, there's a knowing there. Um, to your point, even with, with the abortion issue, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, open your mouth for the mute. I just, yep. I, I love that. Open your mouth for the mute, yes. for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth and judge righteously. Again, that's coming from judging from God's perspective, not the culture's perspective. Right. Judge righteously and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Yes. Um, I mean, there's this, there's this mandate. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> on us as follow and and but really I think it's important for us to understand that's not because we are just supposed to make ourselves look good. No, all of this is because there is intrinsic worth and value in every human being. Yes, simply because we're created in the image of God. Yes, and out of love for our our Creator God. Yes, we 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 want to see people thrive, but even more than that, we want to see people come to know their Creator and come to know Christ. Well, and the the goal is that through the acts of love, people would have a greater love for God. Yeah. Right. And a, and a greater, mm, let's say, cap- I don't want to say willingness. Well, that's a good word. Willingness to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as these people do these things because, you know, First John, we love because he first loved us. That's it. Yeah. Right. So we're doing this because of the, the unique way that Christ has loved us. Yeah. It's not that we're humanitarians. It's not that we're Republicans or Democrats. It's not that we're American. It's we're Christians that yeah. have been changed in a way that we can never fully explain. Yeah. And actions help give words Right. That's how maybe that phrase works backwards. Right. Yeah. It helps gives words to this profound love that Christ has displayed for us and to us through the cross. Mm. And so it puts it puts um, tangibleness. Yeah. Like, oh, you would give of your money. You would give of your time. Well, yeah. Christ gave his life. That's right. For me. Right. Yeah. And he shed his blood for me. This is this is just one piece. Right. It's one tangible way for you to see you think this love is great, 
Mm-hmm. Christ's love is greater. Amen. You know, so that's, but that gets missed when you take the gospel out and you just focus on the action. Yeah. And then it's like, well, that's a nice guy. I wonder why he did that. You know, it's like, well, did he get a tax break? You know, maybe he feels bad. He yelled at his kids and now he's like, oh yeah, you know, I did that, you know, and you're kind of just offsetting your scales. Mm. And, and, and that's a very selfish driven model. You know, I'm feeling good about myself because I did this and it justifies my bad behavior rather than Christ has loved me in a way that I am, don't deserve and can't explain. Right. And I, and I, and I love in that same way right. with what I can whether it's my my time, my talent, my treasure, with the opportunities provided to me, and 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 what we learn about love from God has yes. everything to do with giving. Yes, um, our God is a giving God, and and we are to reflect that because we are the ones who have been loved. And so, if you're listening to this, you know, if we have, uh, you know, coming up here, uh, we got we got Reach Bakersfield, which emphasizes the different partners, uh, different ways that you can get involved in ministries that we support around the community of Bakersfield. Um, and then we have Reach the Nations, which is going to encourage us to, to take that same message of the gospel to the nations. But um, please come and, and please hear of uh, the different opportunities and different ways uh, that you can get involved and that you can give of your time uh, because of how good our God is. You know, there's, I'll just share this real quick if you don't mind. Of course. Um, a dear sister in Christ, as I was kind of talking through this with, with her, she made a really interesting point to me. She said, you know, money and things, um, you know, these are things that, you know, it's good. We can, we can give those things and, and, but kind of, we can give those things and kind of walk away. Um, oftentimes I think it's time and relationships. Yeah. She was saying that are probably the most difficult things to give. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's time and relationships that really demonstrates that God with us attitude of the fact that, um, you know, it, it, it takes, it does take a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. And, um, you know, but for those of us who feel like we don't have a lot of money or things to be able to give away, um, for all of us, I think that we should be looking for those relationships, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's those, especially at first here within the congregation, um, even to the cheer point of the Bakersfield Pregnancy Center. Yeah. There are a lot of young potential moms and dads who ultimately, when you really boil it down and you talk to them, there's a lot of fear. Yep. There's a lot of uncertainty. Yep. And there's a lot of seasoned moms and dads here in this church who can sit down with those guys or sit down with those gals and have those real conversations about real life and helping them to understand what the Bible says. Yeah. About their unborn baby, what the Bible's what God's will is for their life and to be able to do so with love and to and to start that relationship. It's scary and it can be messy. Um but I I believe that's such a rich soil to be able to share the gospel in a way that can be heard and in a way that can be received. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the other piece is sometimes p- people feel guilty and that's why they don't come or, mm. you know, they don't, I don't have time or I can't, and that's fine. Um, but look at it, look at it from a different perspective. Instead of trying to create new time, how can you work within the time you do have? Yeah. Like if you, if you're a teacher um, how many people at your work don't know Jesus? Mm-hmm. And just because they have an education and a full-time job doesn't mean they don't need to be ministered to. Right. That they're not thinking through a divorce, an abortion, um, some type of ethical dilemma that could yeah. bring harm. And yeah. you as the Christian can bring hope 
through Christ. You can share what Christ has done for you. And you can work within the time frames and relationships back to your word that you do have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other part of why it's social justice focuses just uh, on a physical poorness where Matthew is quite clear. He says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Yeah. There's a lot of people who uh, have no idea the hope of Jesus and they need that. They're, they're mm-hmm. dead in sin, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to we want to bring um, the life giving hope that Jesus brings to them, yeah. and that matters. Yeah, you know, just because you're not giving a sandwich or a T-shirt to a poor person doesn't mean you're not living out the Great Commission to make yeah. disciples. And so we 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 just don't want to create this lopsided view, you know. And I think you said well, there, there's extremes, right? There's mm-hmm. Um, all we do is focus on the poor. And then it's, we, we ignore the poor. That's their fault, you know? And and I think there's like, no, we want to look at all of it. That's why we do these two events back to back. We want, are we sharing the gospel with the people in our lives? And is the gospel going out to the ends of the earth in other nations and tribes and jungles where they don't have Bibles and they don't know Jesus and there aren't churches. Um, And for some of us, that's going to be, uh, praying, some of it's going to mm-hmm. be going. For some people, it's going to be giving, and sometimes that's going to be, um, you know, these people, these people, missionaries will come here. Mm-hmm. We've had two different um, women come who've had cancer, and they lived in our community, and it was this unique opportunity God brought to our church that some mm-hmm. people were able to. Uh, take them to the doctor, read books with them, mm-hmm. bring medical supplies, play with their children, right? These are great ways that yeah. God provides. They're not always there, right? but sometimes God brings them. And those are through our relationships of consistently going to Africa and India and mm-hmm. Romania and Kenya, Uganda, you know, going to all these places. And sometimes they come here and sometimes yeah. we go there and, uh, you know, and what a powerful message to, uh, you know, as, as I've been a, a Ugandan that has AIDS living in a hut. And they're like, you're an American. Why are you here? Well, it's not because I'm great. It's because of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. You, you need to know about this Jesus that I know. Yeah. And that'll change your life. Yeah. And me being from America is just a tangible demonstration that you might not have believed through a fellow Ugandan. Right. But when you see a Mazungu, right, a white person (laughs) there, you're like, whoa, wait, why are you here? Yeah. And it's like, well, because Christ calls me to go to the ends of the earth to make disciples. And this is a part of that. And you need to know who he is. And and so there's there's all these different ways to participate. But we want to do it in in our church and our communities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Josh and Drew going to another place in California where there's not a church. Right. We want to see all places. Uh, through the church, God, to care for his people and and reach out to the people who aren't his. Amen. So hopefully, if you're listening to my voice, you will be coming out here for Reach Bakersfield. It's on February 18th. And then the following Sunday, we have Reach the Nations, which is on February the 25th. Come out for those Sunday services. uh, Same time, 8.30 and 10 o'clock. You'll be able to hear all about how you can get involved in these various ministries around Bakersfield and around the world. And hopefully what you've heard today is that there is a biblical mandate on all of us to care. 
to have our eyes up and to be able to see the needs of those who are around us and where we are able to, to be able to meet those needs, either with our, with our time, with our talents and we're, or with our treasures and to do so generously, just as we have generously received love from Jesus Christ. In all of these things, we want Christ to be seen. And in all of these things, we want the gospel to be heard in the message that we share. The LBC Podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church here in Bakersfield, California. We have services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10 a.m. If you're enjoying this podcast, share it with a friend, hit subscribe so that you'll always be in the know whenever there's a new episode that comes out. We hope to see you face-to-face and worship with you together. God bless you.